So someone in your life is making you go see the new Ant-Man movie. Look, we get it. Another Marvel movie. I mean, what's even going on with Marvel these days? You probably saw Avengers Endgame a couple years back, like everyone else with a pulse. Heck, maybe you even thought WandaVision was kind of fun. But after that, things just got out of hand. But have no fear. We're here for you. Not only will we give you all the MCU info you need to enjoy Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we'll also show you why Ant-Man and the Wasp are heroes worth watching. So first, a bit of background. Most people know that Marvel Studios kicked off with a clang with 2008's Iron Man. But what a lot of people don't know is that Tony Stark was not the only hyphenated man hero on Marvel's mind at the time. As it happens, one of Marvel Studios' earliest green lights was an Ant-Man film to be written and directed by Edgar Wright, the auteur behind films like Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Shaun of the Dead, and most recently, the largely underrated Last Night in Soho. For years, Marvel worked with Wright on an Ant-Man entry, initially hoping to include Marvel's tiniest hero into their original Avengers lineup. Ant-Man was one of Marvel Comics' first heroes and was famously a founding member of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's Avengers team. But alas, it was not meant to be. For various reasons, the Ant-Man film was delayed and delayed and ultimately delayed. The first Avengers film came and went with no Ant-Man. In fact, a second Avengers film would release before we finally met our hero. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. As development on the Ant-Man film progressed, it became clear that Edgar Wright and Marvel Studios had different visions for the film. When Wright parted ways with the project, Marvel Studios hired Peyton Reed, a director known primarily for his work on big-budget comedies, to take the reins. Marvel also hired some new writing talent, including another comedy A-lister, Adam McKay, to work off the script penned by Wright. And importantly, with so many things in flux, Marvel Studios still had the star of its project, the ageless man himself, Paul Rudd, who incidentally also contributed to the final script for the film. And despite widespread prediction that Ant-Man would be Marvel's first flop, the film would not only birth its own successful franchise, it would also pave the way for a crucial plot element in one of the most successful films of all time. All right, enough with the history lesson. Let's get into the fun stuff. We first meet Scott Lang in a California prison. He's finishing up a sentence for burglary, a charge he earned by famously cracking a supposedly uncrackable security system to redistribute funds that should have gone to employees. You know, Robin Hood stuff. No, it wasn't a violent crime. It was a cool crime. But despite Ling's master's degree in electrical engineering, he quickly realizes that finding work as an ex-con is no easy task. Baskin Robbins. This is an even bigger problem since Scott has a young daughter, Cassie, and her mother, Scott's actually very cool ex, has conditioned visitation rights on his ability to hold down a job. Just be the person that she already thinks you are. Unable to get honest work and fed up with the situation, Scott eventually turns back to crime, following a tip from his roommates slash soon-to-be co-conspirators about a rich old man with a soon-to-be unguarded safe. There's an old man, he's got a safe, and he's gone for a week. Let's just work with that. Using his burglar skills and some quick thinking science stuff, Scott manages to break into the safe where he's shocked to find nothing except for what looks like it's a suit. What? It's an old motorcycle suit. But when Scott gets curious enough to try on the suit, he finds out a few things. First, he finds out that it is in fact not a motorcycle suit. Rather, it utilizes a unique technology that allows its user to shrink to any size while maintaining the strength of a full-size person. And the suit's helmet allows the wearer to communicate with ants. Yes, Ant-Man can literally talk to ants. What the hell happened here? Second, Scott finds out that Luis's tip was not quite what it seemed. 
Why do you think I let you steal that suit in the first place? What? That's because the rich old man was not what he seemed. That rich old man's name is Hank Pym, founder of Pym Technologies and former Ant-Man. Having created the so-called Pym Particle, the scientist turned super secret agent, spent years on top secret missions for S.H.I.E.L.D., the global peacekeeping task force founded in the 40s by Steve Rogers' girlfriend and Tony Stark's dad, and later led by Samuel L. Jackson wearing an eye patch. Every world knows it. But Pym's career as Ant-Man ended tragically when his wife and partner Janet, a.k.a. the Wasp, was forced to shrink between the molecules of a titanium missile casing to prevent a Soviet attack. In doing so, Janet Honey Eye shrunk herself too much and was seemingly lost in the quantum, the quantum realm. To enter a reality where all concepts of time and space become irrelevant as you shrink for all eternity. Remember that. It's going to be important later. After Hank lost Janet, he became obsessed with recovering her. So much so that he became estranged from his young daughter, Hope, played by Evangeline Lilly, who was left to grieve her loss alone. Horrified and devastated by what his shrinking tech had done, Hank shut it down and clamped it tight. That meant no sharing the pin particle with anyone, including both S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hank's young mentee, Darren Cross. Shown here wearing a trench coat and gloves inside like a totally normal non-psychotic person would. He couldn't erase the legendary stories of the famous or infamous Ant-Man. Tales to astonish. Convinced that Hank was keeping the revolutionary formula from him, Cross eventually worked with the chair of the Pimtech Board of Advisors, Hope Van Dyne, to kick Hank out of his own company. But you can't do this to me. I started this company. You know how much I sacrificed? This cleared the way for Darren to attempt to recreate the Pim vertical himself. Unfortunately, Darren didn't know that prolonged exposure to the tech without proper protection impacts cognitive functions. In other words, the longer Darren experimented with shrinking tech, the crazier he got. I don't think you understand. And that is where Scott Lang comes in. Because like we said, it was no coincidence that Scott broke into the house of Ant-Man himself. Pym orchestrated the break-in in order to test Scott, who he had been watching ever since Lang made headlines as a man who cracked an uncrackable security system. That's because Pym needed a new Ant-Man with the skills of a master burglar. I want you to break into a place and steal some sh**. Language! With Darren now fully unstable and on the verge of shopping a rediscovered Pym formula, Hank has come up with a desperate gambit to steal it from underneath his nose, destroy it, and thus prevent it from falling into the hands of Darren's would-be business partners, Hydra, Steve Rogers' least favorite bad guys. His initial test run in the suit leaves Scott dubious about Hank's proposition. That is, until Hank reminds him that this could be his ticket out of his life as an ex-con. This could be his ticket to getting his daughter back. After a crash course in the Ant-Man tactics, and with the help of Hank's new woman on the inside and all-around badass, yep, you guessed it, Hope Van Dyne, Scott tests his skills by taking his tiny self to upstate New York to borrow, uh, steal, the last piece of tech they'll need for the heist from an old Stark Industries warehouse, only, as it turns out, that old warehouse is now the brand new Avengers compound. It's not! You son of a bitch! And it turns out, that compound is not empty. Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a big fan. Appreciate it. So who the hell are you? I'm Ant-Man. Ant-Man? What, you haven't heard of me? 
No, you wouldn't have heard of me. Lucky for Scott, this gives him a chance to really try out his new Ant-Man abilities. Lucky for us, it gives us a chance to see Anthony Mackie do his thing as Falcon, the then newest member of the Avengers. This will also be important later. Scott manages to make it out of the compound and back to San Francisco with the device in hand. And with the help of Scott's roommates slash fellow burglars and only a few hiccups... They managed to break up the deal with Hydra and mostly pull off the heist. But also... It was never just a heist! Enraged, and again, very unstable at this point, Cross puts on his new yellow jacket suit, the one he was going to mass produce and sell to the bad guys, and decides to just go ahead and kill Scott. This all culminates in Darren tracking down Scott's daughter Cassie in an attempt to make him pay for the destruction of Darren's life's work. Scott realizes that the only way he can take out the heavily armored and armed Yellow Jacket is to short out his suit. But to get through the titanium plating, Scott has to shrink between the molecules. Sound familiar? This lands him in the quantum, quantum realm. See, we told you that would be important later. The bad news is Scott's suit doesn't much work in the quantum realm. The good news is... Scott is able to use the projectile growth slash shrink discs that Hank gave him for use as weapons to jumpstart the suit and grow back to his normal size and out of the quantum, the quantum realm. realm. With Darren seemingly destroyed, the formula back in the hands of Hank Pym and Cassie safe, everybody, well, except for Darren, obviously, is happy. Scott and Hope have uh, grown closer. Cassie's new cop stepdad has even come around to Scott and helped to clear him of all charges related to the break-in. Thank you for everything you do for Cassie. Oh, well, that's my pleasure. And Hank now has proof that someone can go into the quantum realm and come back out again. Having finally told Hope the truth of her mother's last mission, Hank asks Hope to help him finish a prototype wasp suit and find Janet. And that's it. Or is it? It's not. Because it turns out that Falcon has been thinking about that little sparring session back at the Avengers compound. But he doesn't want revenge, he wants a recruit. In Captain America Civil War, the Avengers are faced with the choice of signing the Sokovia Accords, which would make them operatives of the United Nations, or refusing, which would make them outlaws. The decision splits the team right down the middle, with roughly half the Avengers siding with Tony, pro-Accords, and half siding with Steve, anti-Accords. In the midst of all this, Steve Rogers realizes that someone is attempting to unleash a team of Soviet-era super-powered secret agents on the world. This is not the kind of thing someone named Captain America is going to be down with. So, despite having not signed the Accords, Cap bands together a team of unsanctioned heroes to stop this plan from coming to fruition. So, what does all this have to do with Scott Lang? Well, Cap's friend and partner Sam Wilson, a.k.a. Falcon, tells him about this guy who was able to get through the Avengers' compound defenses, including Sam. I know a guy. And when Sam tells Scott, the ex-ex-con and now aspiring hero, that Captain America himself needs him to help save the world, well, Lang answers the call. As they're getting ready to fly to Siberia, where the bad guys are, they're stopped by Iron Man and his team of sanctioned Avengers. This leads to the inevitable fight between friends, which is always sad. Very sad. Anyway. But leads to some pretty great Ant-Man moments. No, I'm good. I'm good, Arrow guy. Let's go. Let's go. We get Ant-Man hiding on Cap's shield. We get Ant-Man taking apart Tony's armor from the inside. And most importantly, we get Ant-Man becoming... Giant Man. Oh, 
It turns out that Scott has been practicing not just shrinking and growing to normal size, but also growing to a very not normal size. Okay, anybody on our side hiding any shocking and fantastic abilities they'd like to disclose, I'm open to suggestions. Unfortunately, Mega Scott is still not enough to win the day. So, to give Steve and his amnesiac World War II veteran turned super spy Bucky Barnes the chance to escape, Scott and the rest of Team Cap sacrifice themselves. And so, just like that, Scott is right back where we found him in a prison cell. Who are you? Come on, man. Ah, cruel irony. In trying to be a hero, in trying to rise above what he was, Scott is back to being the one thing that he's trying hardest to leave behind, a criminal. But this time, he didn't just bring himself down. Because it turns out that the Sokovia Accords don't just govern the people using superhero tech, they also govern the tech itself and those that created it. Translation? Hank Pym's in trouble. And so, by association, is Hope Van Dyne. Moreover, it turns out Scott didn't exactly ask for Hank and Hope's permission, let alone advice, before taking the Ant-Man suit to Germany to fight against the most famous superheroes on the planet, and also the UN. So Hank and Hope, who were minding their own business, attempting to find slash maybe rescue long-lost Janet, are suddenly outlaws on the run. And avoid any unauthorized activities, technology, or contact with any former associates who were or currently are in violation of said accords or any related statutes. Fast forward two years. Scott is wrapping up a long house arrest and getting ready to finally go straight. He's put Ant-Man behind him to focus on Cassie and a new security company he started with Luis & Co. But just days before Scott's release, he has a really weird bath time dream. You know, like you do. In the dream, Scott is playing hide-and-seek with a girl he doesn't recognize, and when he catches his reflection in the mirror, he sees the face of a woman he doesn't recognize. Troubled by the dream, Scott leaves a voicemail for Hank and Hope via a special burner phone. It's not until Scott wakes up in a car with Hope that he realizes his weird dream happened at the precise moment that Hank and Hope had first turned on their newest invention. Oh. A quantum tunnel. We learned that Hank and Hope have not been just idly hiding out. On the contrary, they've been hard at work trying to find a way to safely access the quantum realm. And Scott's voicemail showed them that all their work's not been in vain. Janet is alive. We think when you were down there, you may have entangled with her. Hank, I would never do that. I respect you too much. Quantum entanglement, Scott. After bringing Scott to their deceptively large and super cool lab, they start working on using that, uh, entanglement to locate and hopefully find Janet. There's only one, well, actually three problems. One, Hank and Hope just kidnapped Scott Lang, who is under FBI supervision. Two, in their attempts to get the tech they need on the DL, Hank and Hope have fallen in with some pretty shady characters. Namely, this delightfully Southern criminal, played by Walton Goggins. These people know who Hank Pym is and what Pym Tech can do. And now they want it for themselves. Three, as if those aren't enough, Hank and Hope are also being hunted by a creep in a white suit that can walk through walls and people. Her name is Ghost. Shenanigans ensue, Ghost steals the lab, then with the help of an old frenemy of Hank, Bill Foster, they're able to find it. But before they can steal it back, they get captured by Ghost, who it turns out is a friend slash daughter figure slash co-conspirator of Bill Foster. Years ago, the little girl that would be Ghost was the victim of an accident involving experimental quantum tech. An accident that not only orphaned her, but gave her phasing powers. Sadly, the ability to phase in and out of solid existence is both very painful and killing her. Bill Foster, a one-time S.H.I.E.L.D. scientist, found her as a girl and vowed to help her. Now, they're running out of time. 
and it seems the only way that they can help her is by using the quantum tunnel Hank and Hope have built. Unfortunately, Hank and Hope fear this could kill Janet. Not ideal. More shenanigans ensue. Scott, Hank, and Hope get away with the lab and manage to locate Janet in the weirdest way possible. What the hell? But then, Hank and Hope get caught by the FBI because of Scott. Luckily, they then get broken out by Scott. Well, well, well. How the turntables... While Scott and Hope try and keep the portable lab safe from Ghost, Walton Goggins, and the FBI, Hank decides to make the voyage into the quantum realm himself. There, he straight up trips and almost loses his mind until a mysterious figure finds him and saves him. Who is that mysterious figure? That's right, Janet Van Dyne. She is alive and has been somehow affected by her many years in the quantum realm. Adaptation is part of it, but some of it is evolution. But while Hank and Janet are reuniting, just about everyone in San Francisco is playing hot potato with the miniaturized lab. And though Scott and Hope are able to thwart both the cops and the robbers, Ghost manages to get a hold of the lab once more. And just as she's about to ruin everything, Hank and Janet return with a way to finally heal her. Once again, we have a happy ending. Hank and Janet are back together. Scott, who is finally done with his house arrest, is back together with Hope. And they've all figured out a way to create a miniature quantum tunnel in Luis's old van. One that they can use to extract the quantum energy Ghost needs to survive, slash not be in constant pain, slash not be a villain. That's because with the new quantum tunnel technology, they can enter and exit the quantum realm at will. Do you guys just put the word quantum in front of everything? But after Scott goes into the quantum realm, to retrieve some quantum energy, the strangest thing happens. Hank, Janet, and Hope, you know, the ones who would bring Scott back from the quantum realm, disappear into dust. Hank! Hope? Janet! While Scott and the Pym family have been figuring out quantum travel, the rest of the world's heroes have been fighting a losing battle against Thanos, a big purple alien from space who collected all the Infinity Stones, objects of infinite power representing the core elements of the universe, obviously, and used them to destroy half of all life in the universe. Oh God. While Scott remains stuck in the quantum realm, the Avengers manage to track down and kill Thanos. The only problem is that he has already destroyed the stones, meaning there's no way to undo the trillions of deaths he caused. And that's that. Until five years later, when a fortuitous rodent hits just the right button to bring Scott Lang back from the quantum realm. Initially confused by the semi-post-apocalyptic San Francisco he's woken up to, Scott quickly realizes something terrible has happened. He rushes to find Cassie and finds her five years older. Scott then once again makes the trip across the country to the Avengers compound, this time he uses the front door, and finds Cap and Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, there. Scott explains that time works differently in the quantum realm and that he only experienced the last five years as five hours. Time works differently in the quantum realm. The only problem is right now, we don't have a way to navigate it. But what if we did? I can't stop thinking about it. What if we could somehow control the chaos and we could navigate it? What if there was a, a way that we could enter the quantum realm at a certain point in time, but then exit the quantum realm at another point in time? Like, 
like before Thanos. He has this idea that maybe there's a way to use Hank Pym's quantum tech to travel through different points in time. He just doesn't know how. Yeah, like a time machine. After a few strikeouts. It's baby. It's Scott. As a baby. He'll grow. Bring Scott back. Time travel. Tony Stark comes through with a way to do exactly that. A fully functioning time-space GPS. And while time travel doesn't work quite the way Scott thought it would. Are you seriously telling me that your plan to save the universe is based on Back to the Future? It works all the same. Time doesn't work that way. Changing the past doesn't change the future. So Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit. Thanks to Scott and the Pym particles that he brought with him, the Avengers are able to go back in time to key moments from the past and collect the Infinity Stones themselves. After some hiccups, the team manages to bring the stones back to the present, allowing the Hulk to snap everyone back into existence. Guys. I think it worked. But alas, past Thanos uses the Avengers time travel tech against them and also makes his way to the present where he proceeds to destroy the Avengers compound and also Scott's brown van turned quantum tunnel. After a valiant last stand by the Avengers, Assemble. And an all-time sacrificial play from Tony Stark, aka Iron Man. Iron Man. The day is saved once again. Hank, Janet, Hope, and Cassie are all safe, and all is right in the world. And that's the last we see of Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, and Hope Van Dyne, a.k.a. The Wasp. But it's not quite the end. While Scott has been hard at work with his new podcast, Scott Lang's podcast interviews, who by the way seems like a pretty cool guy, Loki, the often villainous brother of Thor, has been getting into his own time travel trouble. After being abducted by the mysterious Time Variance Authority, the TVA, Loki fought his way along with a sort of Loki from another timeline named Sylvie, it's a long story, to the man behind the curtain, he who remains, a master of time and the founder of the TVA, played by Jonathan Majors. Before Loki and Sylvie can take their revenge on he who remains, he explains to them that he is just one of many variants of himself, that there are others like him who have mastered time and are potentially much more dangerous. He warns that doing away with him and his TVA will mean plunging all of time into chaos. Unfazed, Sylvie kills him anyway, against Loki's protests. When Loki is sent back to the TVA, he finds that everything is indeed changed. Most notably, a giant statue now reflects the image of a much more dictator-looking Jonathan Majors. In other words, there are evil variants on the loose. Why are we telling you this? Because it looks like Scott Lang is about to come face-to-face -face with one of them. If you help me, so what's it gonna be? Ant Man. Curious for more? Check out the latest trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania linked below. Then go see the film at a theater near you starting on February 17th.